0: Is real. There's power in your name, we find hope, friend. We trust in your ways, we need. Jesus is real. See, Moses is saying, Lord, your witness amongst the nations is at stake. And I would love to see what God would do in a church like Crossroads if we all started praying God. Your name and your witness in our community, in our nation, in our world is at stake in our lives. And Lord, we want our lives to reflect the reality
1: of who you are, what God would do in our midst. Sin has consequences. We know that. But do we really believe it? Even when we've asked forgiveness, the fallout from our mistakes doesn't disappear. As Pastor Daniel continues to follow the children of Israel as they dwell in the wilderness, we'll find out why God's character is sometimes hard to discern. We interpret consequences as harsh, but God isn't cruel. He's just and loving, even as his people experience chastisement for sin. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, Refusal and Rebellion.
0: We need to follow Jesus and not fear people. Know what I've learned? Nobody's going to agree with everything you do anyway. Even if you follow what everybody wants you to do, there's going to be someone back. You shouldn't be doing that. Everybody's got an opinion about everything. And the only opinion that really matters is, what does God want from me? What is God's will for my life? And oftentimes, God's will for my life goes roughshod over what everybody wants for you. But you were created and you are sustained by God and your life is actually his life. You know how I know? Because our Bibles tell us that we were bought with a price and we are not our own. And that our, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So listen, stop fearing people. Stop fearing that you're going to let everybody down and following what they want for you. Say, God, what do you want for me? Who do you want me to be? How do you want me to be? And just step out in that and see what God's going to do. Such powerful counsel. Don't rebel against God. Don't fear the people. And he says, look, he says, they're your bread. He's saying, look, because God delights in you, he's giving us this land. God has removed their protection. They're there for the taking. That's what he's saying here. And notice, after this all goes on in verse 10, and all the congregation said, to stone them with stones. So obviously, Caleb and Joshua, Moses and Aaron, the people were now really mad. Stoning people with stones, that's like old school capital punishment. That's what it was. Very brutal way to die. Right? They're like, okay, that's it, you guys are done. We're We're gonna kill you now. And notice, the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. So literally, Caleb Joshua, Moses and Aaron are about to be martyred. They're about to die for their belief in God and the glory of the Lord shows up. And look at what happens in verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? Verse 11. And in verse 12, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. And Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it For by your might, you brought these people out from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people. That you, Lord, have are seen face to face and your cloud stands above them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak saying, because the Lord was not able to bring the people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And now, I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering, verse 18, and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation, Pardon the iniquity of, these, of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt, even until now. Now, notice, the people refuse to go in, and God shows up and speaks to Moses, and God is rightfully angry because God is being rejected by his people, and God is saying, how long are these people gonna reject me? Now, listen. Oftentimes you read that, I can't believe God would do that. Yet you totally can believe God would do that because you write off people all the time who reject you. Because when someone rejects you, they are spurning your love, right? And so when someone writes you off, you're like, okay, well, we know so for you, forget it. And then we say, I can't believe God would do that. Of course he would do that because when somebody is rejected, the law of sowing and reaping or the principle of sowing and reaping comes into play. And God is like, what else do I have to do for this people? And then God's like, listen, that's it. I'm going to wipe them out. Moses, we're starting all over again. Now, listen, we've all felt that about people, haven't we? We're to wipe them out, start all over again, right? Am I the only sinner who's ever thought that? Okay, you guys are right. You guys should teach. I'll, I'll go down there. I got to learn. But like, I know what that feels like. You're just like, I'm, okay, that's it. We're going to wipe this out, start all over again, right? But then Moses, once again, stands in the gap for the people. And all through the Pentateuch, the first five books that we've been studying, we find Moses, since the book of Exodus, as an intercessor. He stands in the gap for the people. Why? Because Moses is a type and shadow of Jesus. See, Jesus is the new and better Moses, who stood in between a righteous God and a rebellious people and took the brunt of the anger. That's what the cross of Jesus is all about. It's about Jesus standing, being a mediator, receiving what we deserve. And Moses says, Lord, Lord, don't do this. And how does he do it? Moses appeals to God based on his own character. And I'm going to tell you, this is a great way to pray. He says, Lord, this is who you are. And he says, look, the Egyptians are going to hear about it. And they're going to think, oh, man, the Lord, the Lord God... He couldn't get him all the way into the promised land, so he wiped him out. See, Moses saying, Lord, your fame is at stake. Your name is at stake. What people are going to say about you is at stake. All through the Bible, you're going to find people praying to God based on his character. And my friends, we need to pray based on the character of God. Think about Elijah against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He's like, Lord, you got to show these people that you are the true and living God. See, Moses saying, Lord, your witness amongst the nations is at stake. And I would love to see what God would do in a church like Crossroads if we all started praying, God, your name and your witness in our community, in our nation, in our world is at stake in our lives. And Lord, we want our lives to reflect the reality of who you are. What God would do in our midst if we started praying out, Lord, your word tells me that you are this. We want to experience that. And that's exactly what Moses is doing. He's saying, listen, everybody knows about you, Lord. They've heard about what you did in Egypt. They heard that you lead your people by a pillar of cloud by day to protect them and a pillar of fire by night. And if you snuff these people out in the middle of the wilderness... Everyone's going to wonder what happened to the Lord. And look what it says. I love this, verse 17. And now I pray, let the power of the Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, Now look at that prayer. Lord, let your power be great. Do you know when God's power is great? When he increases and we decrease. You can't have two power sources. And it's the downside of growing up in a blessed culture like ours because we've all learned how to be self-reliant. And part of walking with Jesus is unlearning self-reliance and relearning God-reliance. That, Lord, I want your power to be made great. God, I want your reality to be made great. And then he starts quoting to him. And if you were here two weeks ago in our Jonah series, Jonah chapter four, same passage. Look what it says. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving the iniquity and transgression. And he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, verse 18, this is a quotation from Exodus 34, 6 and 7. God said, this is who I am. And he's saying, Moses, God, you told me this is who you were. Can we experience that? I love that. Pray God's word. Remind God. Not that he needs the reminder, but say, God, your word tells me that you are gracious and you are patient and you are abounding in mercy and you are forgiving God and you will hold the guilty to task. We want that power in our lives. We want you to be made manifest. He's praying, God, be you in our midst, but don't wipe us out. Be you in the midst of our rebellion. That's what he's praying. It's a powerful prayer. And notice. Then in verse 19, his specific request, pardon the iniquity of the people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt, even until now, he's saying, God, forgive them because you are forgiving God and you've forgiven them over and over again. Do it again, Lord. And my friends, listen. Our God is a forgiving God, the only God. There's only one God, and that God forgives. And if you're here today and you're like, look, I've done too much wrong. I've jacked up my life and other people's life too much. God could never forgive me. I'm here to tell you, all you need to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus. He has already forgiven you. Long before you turned, Jesus died and rose again. And there is enough power in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus to save every single person who ever lived, of everything they've ever done, if every single person would turn. That power in that cross is unlimited. It's unlimited. And don't think that your past and your garbage hold you back from being the person that God has called you to be, you just come to him and you say, God, I'm messed up. And he's like, I know, but I love you still. See, that's God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I'm fully convinced that's the only reason God called me in a ministry. Because if God could save me and use me, then he can definitely save you and use you. Because God takes the foolish things and say, look, I can take a guy like Moses who was a murderer. I can take a guy like David who was an adulterer and a murderer. I can take a guy like Gideon who was freaked out and tried to get every way to get out of the calling. I'll take a guy like Peter who had foot and mouth disease. Said so the only time Peter removed the foot from his mouth was to put the other one in. You got Matthew who was a traitor. You got, let's not forget the Apostle Paul, right? Yeah, great. He was killing Christians. Yeah, I want him. He's going to be fun. But that's what God does. So listen. The cross of Jesus, whether or not you believe it, proves to you that God's desire is to forgive you. The fact that Jesus hasn't come back yet reminds us that God is patient, waiting, long-suffering, waiting for you to come and turn your life over to God again, to come back home, to be forgiven. Now, notice what happens. Moses, great intercession, and then the Lord speaks. Then the Lord said, verse 20, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these 10 times and have not heeded my voice, then certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Now, you notice what happens here. God says, okay, I'll forgive them." And notice he says, according to your word. So Moses' prayer has power. But he says, I will forgive them, but they're not going to get to go into the promised land. And what does this teach us? That sin has consequences. That's what it teaches us. It's like, although God will forgive you, there are still consequences to our sins. I always remember that movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Remember when the one guy gets baptized? And he's like, well, I've been forgiven. And they're like, yeah, but you're still running from the law, (laughs) right? And, And we have to remember that, that the mistakes that we've made still have consequences for us, right? They still do. But God's forgiveness is greater than that. And for these people, except for Caleb and Joshua, because they trusted him, they're going to get to go into the promised land. But everybody else, they're not. And God literally says, I want you to go back into the valley where the Canaanites and the Amalekites are. Now, look at what happens, because we get some more information now in verse 26. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me. I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who are numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. You shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness." "'According to the number of the days "'in which you spied out the land, "'40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt "'one year, namely 40 years, "'and you shall know my rejection. "'I, the Lord, have spoken this. "'I will surely do so to all this evil congregation "'who has gathered together against me. "'In this wilderness they shall be consumed.'" and there they shall die. Now the men who Moses sent out to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report on the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive of the men who went out to spy the land. So you see what God says. God says, listen, you spy out the land for 40 days, you owe me a year for every one of those days. So 40 years, you're all, you're all going to wander in the wilderness. Everybody who's older than 20 is going to die in the wilderness. And your children's who you're worried about, they're actually going to go into the land. Now, someone might say God's punishment is harsh. But you realize that God is being infinitely gracious and merciful here. Infinitely gracious and merciful. It would be right for him to completely reject them. But God, once again, is moved with grace and mercy. Now, you notice the 10 men who brought a bad report, we find out they actually die of a plague before the Lord right then. Why? Because Jesus said it's better for a man to have a millstone hung around his neck and to be thrown into the ocean than to cause someone to stumble. Remember Jesus said that? Now, to update the language a little bit, how many of you guys remember The Godfather? You probably shouldn't have watched that. But that was a rite of passage for me as an Italian-American. It's like, yeah. It, 12, and your dad and your grandpa sit you down. You watch the first two. This is Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes right here. Literally, it's like a millstone was a big, it was it was giving somebody concrete boots and chucking them in the Columbia. Literally. God says it's better for someone to die by drowning than to cause somebody to stumble. And my friends, we need to take that seriously, shouldn't we? Because it's so easy to cause someone to stumble. These 10 men cause them to stumble by bearing false witness against the Lord. How many of us, even today, have caused someone to stumble? How many of us have done something, provoked somebody, enticed somebody to sin against God? These men died right there before the Lord because of what they did. It, they were the influencers to cause a whole generation who God wanted to bring into the promised land to die in that wilderness because they promoted faithlessness, hopelessness, and rebellion amongst the people of God. Now, listen, that's a terrifying reality, isn't it? I don't believe we take the influence that we have, I don't think we take it to heart enough. I don't think we're, we think enough about what we're doing and what the impact is. And I think we need to, not because we're terrified of God, but because there's a lot at stake. And you know what it's like? How many times have you, you've been around, maybe you like to chit-chat a little bit and you, and you, and you gossip a little bit about somebody. Somebody who somebody doesn't know, right? And then you know, because if you've ever had someone tell you a negative report about somebody, then you meet that person, you're always kind of giving them like the stink eye a little bit, right? Because you heard that they're, they're not so good, right? And then you're kind of like looking at them like, and everything they say, you just jump on the first thing. Oh, yeah, that's so true about them. Because somebody actually tainted your view of that person. I mean, how healthy is that? If I just met someone. You might even be here right now. I heard a story about somebody who was looking for a church. They moved in the area. And they said, oh, yeah, I keep hearing about crossroads. I like, oh, don't go there. The pastor's got dreadlocks. <laughs> it's funny. The person found their way here, and they love crossroads, and they're growing in Jesus. And it's great. But it's like, that's another follower of Jesus. It's like. Is that what we're doing? We're, we're judging people on style points. But people do it. Don't we all do it? Like, oh, you got to be careful of that. But you don't even know that person. Don't go there. Got to be careful. That's influence. And we're tainting people's view of people. The Bible says that our speech should build up. It should be full of grace, seasoned with salt. That means that our speech should uplift, should build up. Our speech should never tear down, should never detract from who God is and what he's doing. we got to be careful because for most of us, those of us who are talkers especially, it's so easy, right? It's so easy to malign. And these men were held immediately accountable for that. But look what happens in verse 39. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel... And the people mourned greatly and they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain saying, here we are and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised for we have sinned. And Moses said, now, why do you transgress the command of the Lord for this will not succeed? Do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among us. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned away from the Lord, and the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Verse 45, then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. You see what happens. The children of Israel, they don't like the outcome, and they're like, We sinned against the Lord, we're gonna go in now. And God already told them, You're not going in. See, this is the overcompensation of rebellion right there. It's like you realize you got it wrong, and you're like, oh, I got it wrong, and I'm just gonna do what I think I should have done before. And God was like, What are you doing? See, the children of Israel, they're so off the rails right now because they're simply not listening. They're not hearing the heart of God, the word of God. They're not heeding what God is saying. And they're off half cock trying to fix everything when God's already like, no. And Moses even tries to warn him, dude, you're off the rails. That's what he says to them. God's not with you. What are you doing? And what happens? They go on to go out. And what happens? They get beat up on by the Amalekites and the Canaanites because God already told them they weren't going to go in. Now, my friends, Listen. I'm going to close here. But I think what's important for us is that we need to heed the voice of God. This is why we have God's word in a book. 66 books written by 40 plus different authors over thousands of years, all telling the same story. And we live in a literate culture. And if you're like, I can't read so well, Pastor Daniel, then get an MP3, get a CD, get them on tape if you want, if you're old school. You can hear the word. You don't have to read it. There's a million ways. We have access to so much information. We have no excuse. You can hear any Bible teacher you want. The key is, is whoever you listen to, they need to stick to the word of God.
1: Jesus is real. Although Moses pleaded to God on behalf of the people, there was still a consequence for their rebellion. The children of Israel would be able to receive the promised land, but many of them would never be able to set foot in it. God is just and forgiving. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. We're confident that today's message has blessed and encouraged you. Jesus Is Real Radio is impacting communities all over the United States and even reaching those in prison. It's a wonderful ministry that you can be a part of. We'd like to invite you to partner with us. Through the month of June, we are encouraging you to pray about financially supporting Jesus Is Real Radio. Your financial support helps us continue and expand the mission of proclaiming that Jesus is real. This month, we'd like to say thank you to anyone who supports Jesus Is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more by sending you a Jesus Is Real Radio coffee mug. Every morning when you fill up to start the day, you'll be reminded to pray for the team here at Jesus Is Real Radio. Check out com and click on Partner. There you'll find an option to make your donation and receive your Jesus Is Real Radio coffee mug. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share about the offerings the children of Israel presented to the Lord. There's a clear parallel between the intention of worship displayed by God's people and ours. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, Wilderness. Please glance at the clock right now. and Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.